For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. You're listening to a Brawl Network and Eagles Brawl podcast. You love the Philadelphia Eagles. Let me get a hell yeah. This is the Kelly Green Show. We're a bunch of underdogs. And you know what underdogs is? It's a hungry dog. Here's your host, Football Kelly. Welcome back to the Kelly Green Show. I am your host, Football Kelly. The Eagles coaching staff is coming together, and we finally got to hear from the new head coach. While many will take Sirianni's initial nervousness as a cause for concern, I am unwilling to. There are plenty of things that I will worry about with this team, and the potential of Nick Sirianni as a coach will not be decided by a introduction press conference. My next guest has been a personal favorite to follow on Twitter. His reporting has been incredibly insightful when it comes to the new guys coming into Philadelphia as the coaches, and I cannot wait to get his thoughts on the latest news from the Eagles and around the NFL. NJ.com reporter Mike Kay. How are you, Mike? I am well. Thank you for having me, Kelly. I'm, I'm really excited to be on here. Uh, the podcast seems to be going to well. You. Yeah, yeah, it's been a really fun time, I think, uh, getting to know everybody who's been on Twitter and uh, get their insight and perspective on the team is always just a fun uh, way to learn more and, and hopefully bring fans some new perspectives on what's going on with the team. So I appreciate you coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me. So before we get into the Eagles, major breaking news that happened over the weekend was the trade of Matthew Stafford. The Rams sent two firsts, a third, and Jared Goff to the Lions for Matthew Stafford. And we certainly know that the Lions were planning to trade Stafford during the offseason. But I was surprised what they got for him and that the Rams were the ones who traded for him. What was your reaction? And do you think that that will have any bearing on the quarterback trade market or the upcoming NFL draft? Well, I, I think that it will have an impact on all of the above. Um, first off Stafford going to the Rams was a possibility. Uh, you know, he does fit that Sean McVay offense very, very well. That said, I was surprised by the haul, um, that the lions got that said, when you look at Jared Goff's contract, you're looking at it really as the, let's break it down. So the, the Rams don't have a first round pick this year. So the two first round picks that they sent, are for next year, 2022 and 2023, which gives them less value than you would an actual first round pick. So you're looking at basically the value of an early second round pick and a, an early third round pick really in the justification of the value. So you're looking at two early third round picks or two third round picks really in a second round pick. So Let's let's take the window dressing of a first round pick off. It's kind of like when you see a guy get a ninety million dollar deal, but he only gets twenty five million dollars in guaranteed money, right? Essentially, what's happening is is you're getting a twenty twenty three first round pick to take on Goff's contract, 
or yeah, essentially, right? Right. Because uh, I think fair value for Stafford would have been something like a second round pick this year and a third round pick this year. So that's essentially what you're getting with with the 2022 first, and then the the obviously the 2021 third. Um, the value when you really think about it makes sense. Plus, the Lions really made out. If they really like Jared Goff as much as some people have reported, you know, they don't really need to press and get a quarterback here. If Jared Goff's terrible next year, they have a lot of ammo to move up, or maybe they're already picking first overall and they have weapons to, to put around that quarterback. So I, I like that deal. Now, the reason why it affects the, the kind of the quarterback carousel here is the Colts don't have a quarterback, and Matt Stafford was seen as a much easier you know, trade acquisition than a lot of other quarterbacks who are available. Uh, there's some some buzz that Jimmy Garoppolo could be available. I wouldn't touch him via trade just because of his injury history. Also, if San Francisco is willing to move on from him, you kind of know what's what. Uh, but I, I think going back to your overarching point, how does this affect Carson Wentz, right? How does this affect the Eagles in general? Yeah. Right. Um, so the Colts still needing a quarterback is a thing. Uh, which there's an obvious dot connection there. But then when you look at the value they got for Stafford and or the value that was needed to get rid of Goff's contract, it makes this very convoluted. Look, trading Carson Wentz isn't going to be as easy as some think it is. I highly doubt they can get a one for him, or at least a, a 2020 first-round pick for him. Sorry, the, the, the last season he was terrible. Uh, right. I, I think everybody always values their own guys. While the league still might love Carson Wentz, the Eagles have no leverage. So you're looking at, okay, even if there are two or three teams, they still know that they that the Eagles potentially want to get rid of him if they are making calls or Carson Wentz doesn't want to be there. So you're losing out on the leverage of, you know, it's just like the Rams. They, they basically made it known that Goff was gone, but so did the Lions. The Lions knew that Stafford wanted out. So I think it's like a weird dichotomy right there. Um the Eagles are saying all the right things, in my opinion. Uh, if you looked at Jeffrey Lurie and Howie Roseman's press conference after Doug Peterson's firing, they really put the ball in Carson's court. He has not said anything publicly. Uh, I think Sirianni was put in a really uncomfortable position. You brought up his nervousness earlier. I think it was really weak of Jeffrey Lurie not to talk, not to take questions. Because, right. you know, here's the thing. Sirianni can't come out and say, Carson's my guy. And then Carson, two weeks later, says, you know what? I just don't think this is going to work out. I want to be traded. Then you've sent the wrong message to not only Jalen Hurts, but to the locker room. He also right. can't say, hey, we're opening it up to competition. Because, again, if a guy doesn't want to be here, you can't do that. And he also can't say, look, we want Jalen Hurts. Because if you can't trade Carson Wentz, no matter what's out there, you're going to have egg on your face. So he was kind of put in a lose-lose situation. Now, I know there was a lot of blowback about, about how much was asked about Carson Wentz. I have no problem with that. Um, you know, and I've, I've meditated on it quite a bit. Like, frankly, he shouldn't have been asked that much about it because Lurie should have been able to answer some of those questions. But right. they were, he, the, the, the gist of the co press conference you had to ask that question several times because he was being so evasive. When you say, I haven't even watched the tape yet. Well, you said in like two separate interviews that you watched 
2017 tape of Carson Wentz, like religiously, like that does that's not copacetic there. Um, right. So I think I, I think it's one of those things where he was kind of set up to fail with that that topic, and he predictably failed. Right. Like he came right. off pretty poorly um yeah when you're pressed on questions like that you have to be a little political and um it's hard for him to come in and be a political person when people want answers or clarification on things that have already been stated so i understand when um the uh the media is asking questions and um you know it i I think it's fair that you guys are uh trying to get some clarification on things that are going on. And especially because let's face it, the story is Carson Wentz this off season. Everything that happens with him will determine what will happen next. If, if that domino falls and they say we're, he's the starting quarterback, everything else will fall into place after that. If, you know, they say he's getting traded, everything will fall after that like nothing really can be decided until we really know what's happening with him and so it's kind of getting stuck at step one in the process and I think that that's probably where he is he doesn't know what the next thing is that the front office is going to do he doesn't really have clarification from them to really give an answer right at this point Um, so yeah it was a tough situation for him but a little bit back to the question about Stafford with the the draft. I think that that situation will really, because there are a lot of teams that need a quarterback. um, So, you know, this could potentially push a team that's desperate to, you know, quarterback away. You know, the bears potentially the Colts have really solid teams, but they are a quarterback away from being very, very good. Uh, You could even put the Washington football team in that category if you really wanted to quarterback away from being a super competitive team. Um, And now one quarterback that was potentially going to be available as a plug and play starter is not going to be there. Do you think any of those teams that I was talking about might move up in the draft? Because I'm hoping, fingers crossed, that three quarterbacks go in the top five. I know that's a little idealistic of me, but um, do you think that that has caused any ripple effects on the draft itself? Yeah, I think that's a fair assumption to jump to. Um, look, I'm going to say this. I think there will be three three taken in the top five uh, because of the caliber of this class. Not not because the quarterbacks are so great. I mean, Trevor Lawrence is, is special. But yeah. I think you're going to get to the point where teams are going to say, you know what, we're going to trade up because it's more advantageous to do that than spend heavy money on a free agent or trade for a quarterback. Um, a team, like you mentioned, in the Washington football team, they're really set to make a jump. Right now, the Giants are kind of in a weird spot where they're kind of in like the Andy Dalton sort of yeah. purgatory of quarterback. Uh, the Cowboys, you know they're going to re-sign Dak, but there's potential cap implications down the road. I don't think their roster is very talented. Mike McCarthy is not a very good head coach, in my opinion. So go for it, right? And so, you know, I think they're picking 19th. Um, yeah, that's a possibility. I don't know if – I think Indy is going to favor a, a, a veteran. I think that that's, that's pretty likely. Uh, they're picking in the early 20s. 
they're such a well-run roster, and I think Chris Ballard's the best GM in, in the league. Uh, yeah, very good. As far as understanding his depth chart and understanding other depth charts, uh, you know, I think the Bears are in a in a spot where Ryan Pace has missed on quarterback like twice, uh, like epically, and yeah. you know, it, I I think they want to get ahead of the Lions, right? If you really like that third guy, let's say, let's say uh, the Jaguars take. Uh, Trevor Lawrence at one. And then the Dolphins make a deal with the Texans for Deshaun Watson. And they really yeah. like Zach Wilson. So he goes at three. You're looking at a situation where the Cincinnati Bengals might want to trade back at five to pick up more picks because they need all the help they can get. And they have their quarterback. And they have their quarterback, correct. So, you know, if Penne Suell or whatever his, however you pronounce his name, I, Penne, that'd be Sewell? great. Sewell, Sewell, yeah, sorry. Yeah. Uh, let's say they trade up, uh, let's say he's not on the board, you know, let's say he goes to the Jets at two, all the more reason to trade back. And, you know, the Bears are going to want to get ahead of, of the Lions because of the Lions, no matter how well they feel about their relationship is going to be with Goff and how he can perform, when you're sitting at seven, you know you have to make a choice. Do you want to jump the? Do you want to jump to get Justin Fields? The Eagles are even an outside threat to to get a quarterback. So um, it's yeah. just one of those things where I think, yeah, I think it's it's a snowballing effect, and I, yeah, I, I it will be interesting because I think that something that draft evaluators have been a little concerned about is the fact that you're going to have less and less college tape on these players with COVID and all these things that are happening. You're not going to have the combine this year, not working out at the combine is going to uh, prevent you from seeing some of these younger players uh, because they're only going to be available for the pro days. So you're really going to see a limited number of players when you go to visit these teams and get a, a draft evaluation on these guys. Are you really going to feel comfortable next year with limited tape on these players to draft your quarterback next year. Who knows? Well, and, and to give you some insight on pro days, I've been doing pro day tours for years. You're throwing against air, right? So you're not right. like, this is not a situation where you're, you're getting to really see them do their thing. I mean, you got uh, Trey Lance who doesn't have a lot of playing time recently. I mean, you, there are guys that, you should be concerned about with based on who they've played this year, who they've played in their careers, uh, how long they've played, et cetera. I mean, look, drafting a quarterback is never a sure thing. E- even with Trevor Lawrence, you know, that things can happen. Injuries can happen. Um, and so you've got to do all your due diligence without a combine. Uh, you're not getting the extra opportunity to interview guys, figure them out figure them out mentally because we've seen what's happened with Dwayne Haskins and that's clearly been an issue. So yeah, I mean, this is going to be uh tough sledding for a lot of teams, especially if they're looking for quarterbacks. And I'll tell you, agents are very concerned about the lack of a combine. This is not, this is going to either make guys fall tremendously if they have character issues or injury issues or it's going to make them jump up if they're really athletic on tape. So it'll, well, it'll teams are going to reach like crazy yeah, and sure. big busts and potentially, um, you know, 
we will be in a bad situation if we aren't hitting on our draft picks this year. So that is always cause for concern for me. Um, but let's be let's be a little honest about that uh, Sirianni press conference. There was a lot of distractions that were going on with it. Sure. Um, so so turning the page to focus on what's going on with this team and um, the coach that's newly into the fold. Um, I'd love for you to tell people what the biggest takeaway from that press conference is. Not the not the distractions, not all the nonsense. What was the biggest takeaway you had from the introduction, the introdu- introduction press conference that Sirianni had the other day? Familiarity isn't a crutch, okay? Um, when you talk, when you listen to him talk about Jonathan Gannon and Shane Steichen and uh, you know Kevin Paluto, uh, there's logic behind why he's hiring these men. Like you, you like the devil that you know. And he, unlike Doug Peterson, this is a guy who's worked for several different organizations. He knows what's kind of going on. Um, he's he's very informed on how the NFL works from a bunch of different perspectives. Uh, I thought his play calling uh, answer was great. I, I think he he's got an idea of who he is. It sounds like he's got a lot of self-awareness. Um, I thought he was very upbeat. You know, he was taking a beating, like – it was something I've never seen. Like it was just like a full on um, attack of his character almost. And I was kind of shocked by that. Cause I was like, you know, he's just nervous, you know, just give him a minute maybe and he'll be fine. Listen, look, I'm a really good public speaker. I can talk in front of anybody anywhere, but I can't coach a football team. I mean, right. look, you know, I think it's one of those things. Look, the first time I ever got in front of a teleprompter and was doing TV, I froze because I can't I can't read a prompter. Like sometimes it's tough. And being on a Zoom call, you never know. You, you're not able to really make eye contact because you've got like 10 different faces in front of you. Or in the Seagulls market, like 35 different faces. It's right. overwhelming. And frankly, his owners, I got to call it Jeffrey Lurie. His ownership let him down. They just threw him to the wolves. Well, he had 25 minutes standing at a podium, probably. We didn't right. see him while while Lurie was talking for a half an hour. And then, um, you know, he, he, he goes off the screen and he's never back for any questions after the fact to help, you know, the guy that he just brought in. He's just kind of thrown into it. So I totally agree with you. I was feeling like, oh, my gosh, how come Harry, Howie Roseman isn't sitting at a table with him, like letting it be a little bit more comfort comfortable, like. How he didn't hire him. How he didn't hire uh, Yeah, him, you, you, know? you made that good point to me. I, I, I totally see where you're coming from with that. Um, and that's kind of where, you know, I do understand. Like, it was Lori making a point that he's the one that made the decision, kind of, to mm-hmm. me. Like, I didn't, I didn't really get that. But the press conference was like, I made this decision, and here he is. And it wasn't about Howie Roseman whatsoever, but, like, half the questions should have been a Howie Roseman question. So I was like, oh, my gosh, this guy's getting killed. Um, but on a, a different interview, he was on WIP this morning, and I think he did pretty well today. So we've seen him improving, getting a little bit more comfortable, answering some questions. And they, they did press him about the quarterback question, and he said, you know, everybody's going to be competing, even the coaches, you know, staying pretty political. And he, you know, he didn't answer the answer totally. And I'm I'm totally comfortable with that at this point in time. You know, it's 
still February. It's the beginning of February. So for him to not have an answer, I'm comfortable with that right now. But eventually we're going to need to know something's up or, you know, have an answer. Um, but what, what were your thoughts on uh, him saying that everybody's going to be competing? Well, he set himself up that if there are guys that are seemingly handed jobs, he's going to look terrible. Um, but I think it's a change of pace. Like, you've got to kind of give him the benefit of the doubt here. Um, look, I, I do believe him. I think there will be competition at running back. I don't think Miles Sanders can be handed anything. I don't think Dallas Goddard's going to be handed anything, frankly, um, after last year. I, I think you're in a spot where the only two guys – or the three guys that should be handed stuff are – Jason Kelsey, Lane Johnson, and Fletcher Cox. Outside of that, everybody should be trying to earn their spot. I mean, maybe you say Darius Slay and Javon Hargrave and and stuff like that. But here's the thing. If you're going to have Carson Wentz compete, you have to kind of put it under a blanket statement, right? Everybody's got to compete. You don't want to hurt his feelings, whatever. Um, I just think at some point, look, this is very early on. It's the first week they're going to have to reach a decision and change their tune a little bit. Like this is not, I don't think. So what I wrote after the initial press conference, I I don't really care about the social ticks. I don't really, none of that matters to me. It was a boring press conference. I didn't learn anything really outside of his affection for his staff members. That's kind of a problem. Um, and it's one thing, like, there. I saw a lot of people run with this whole, like, he lied on day one. Guys, Doug Peterson lied to us multiple times every week. Uh, and, he, and maybe it's a communication issue because he thought Grow was going to be back after one, sure. you know, bad season. And he was fired, like, the next day. So maybe the front office is giving him some talking points this time around. And he's just going with what they're telling him. Yeah, I mean, we don't know what what the situation is now what i would say is like eventually you have to have a firm message because players need to know players read players search their names players look into stuff and you know i know he's reached out to players he's had some really good conversations for with what i've heard especially offensive players um and maybe behind the scenes, it's it's hunky-dory, but I think the issue here is you also have to have a united front up front. And uh, if you, we're not learning anything by, like, March, like, that's a problem. We also don't have the combine, yeah. so we're not going to be able to interview him in February, potentially. So uh, that's a concern for me. Um, but- that's one thing that I will – that's one thing that I will say is we should uh, keep it in perspective for now, but, you know, there is there – is- a time and place for being very worried about what we've seen so far. I understand that people want to have answers right away, but we're still very early on in this whole new staff thing. So um, we'll have some fun with it right now. We'll have the Kelly green lightning round, which is a quick question, quick answer segment that I do with my guests. So are you ready? I mean, I don't know if I'm capable of a quick answer, but I'll try. You can do do my best. You can do it. All right. If you could only eat one thing for the rest of your life, what would it be? Tacos. <laughs> Favorite childhood cartoon? I was just thinking about this the other day. Probably Rugrats. It's <laughs> a good one. Do you think both Wentz and Hertz will be on the 53-man roster next season? No. 
<laughs> you don't need to say which one. It's fine. Okay. Thank favorite, you for that. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. Favorite eagle to interview in the locker room? Jason Kelsey. It's not close. I <laughs> love it. Uh, least favorite thing about Twitter? Everything. <laughs> <laughs> well, except for getting to meet lovely people like me. I, I think... <laughs> I think you know what uh I think there are really a lot of bad takes on yeah. things that don't need takes. Yeah. yeah. Totally. I totally agree. That's why I had a little fun with that one. Okay. So, we'll turn it to um some of your work that you've been killing. Like I I've retweeted all of your articles. Oh, I feel like all of the time lately you've been talking to Colts players, former coaches to provide some great perspective on these guys coming to Philly. What's been one of the most interesting things you've learned about um, any of the coaches during your research? I think with Brian Johnson, the new quarterbacks coach, I really like the way that people talk about his intelligence and not in like a cliche way. It's just like, hey, this guy gets it. Like he understands. We talk about emotional intelligence, but he just has like, it seemed, It sounds like he's got a very good feel for what the position needs from, like, all angles. And so I think that's kind of interesting. I, I think uh, with Sirianni, he is relentless. Like, his passion towards everything. Uh, if you get the opportunity to read my story that I did a feature on him, um, it's pinned to my Twitter account. But, uh, you know, he, he had a staph infection, like, on the level of Alex Smith almost. And it was a a yeah. kid in college and had to dress it as his own, you know, on his own. And um, I think that kind of just shows his passion for the sport and his passion to succeed. And I think that's going to be very important heading into a really massive rebuild. Yeah. And it's going to be tumultuous because we're going to see a lot of veterans from the team potentially being cut because of the cap situation or trade it. You know, I don't know exactly how everything will fall out, but um, you're going to have a really young roster at the end of the day and probably a lot of young draft picks who have never played a game in the NFL before. Uh, and on top of that, you have a really young staff. Um, I mean, a lot of them are under 40. I think most of them are. Mm -hmm. um, so that's a little bit of a concern for me. Do you think that um, Nick Sirianni is going to be able to command a locker room of guys when they're not much younger than him? Well, he turns 40 this summer. So that's the that's the that's the good news. Yeah, He's over 40 the, now. Um, yeah, I mean, just based on who, you know, he, Philip Rivers was older than he was, and he got a lot out of him. Um, I think, I think what's tough is, or, or what benefits him, right? We talk about Press Taylor, and Press Taylor had a relationship with Carson Wentz, and he was sub 30 when he started as his position coach, and what have you. It's tough as a young guy to work your way up in one organization, but to come in fresh, I think it, it'll benefit him. Uh, from the youth standpoint, he's coming in with a different message. They haven't seen him kind of grow up from a little like giddy kid to a to a head coach. He is a guy who's who's a man. He's got three kids. He's worked with Philip Rivers, who's a future Hall of Famer. He's gotten a lot out of T.Y. Hilton. He's you know he's been Keenan able Allen. Keenan Allen, Anthony Costanzo. Like there's. There's stuff there. He's got some clout. He's worked with guys outside of this organization. He also hasn't been piggybacked on a on a particular head coach. He's worked with Romeo Cornell, Todd Haley, uh, Mike McCoy, Frank Reich, Anthony Lynn. Uh, so he's got a wealth of different systems. 
he also comes off like a like a man. Like he's not like there's some guys that come off like they're they're just getting the job and they're young and go you know go getter and happy go lucky. He seems like a legit guy, and I think um, I, I think he has a presence to him. I know a lot of people weren't impressed by the press conference, but I think he's got um, what's the word I'm looking for. I think he has resolve, and I think that always sticks out in a, in a locker room. I also have talked to his former players who yeah, have raved about Yeah, and Leonard came him. out and really said really nice words about him after the press conference because everybody was attacking him. And he's, and a, he's defensive a defensive player. player. But yeah. that tells you something. When you're on the practice field and noticing the other coaches on the opposite side of the ball, I think that's that tells you everything. And from what I hear, he is very proactive in, in practice. He really makes it his own. Um, and he's a guy who understands, you brought up the Angelo interview. He's a guy who understands that everybody needs to be coached differently, but with the same right. standard. And I think that that's very important. Um, it's not like, Hey, protect this quarterback. And then everybody else is judged the same. It's, Hey, maybe Carson Wentz needs, you know, an arm around him while Jalen Hurts wants to be, you know, receive a thrashing when he incomplete, when he's got an incompletion or a terrible throw. And that's fine as long as you have the same standard and people know what they're doing. And I think that that's very beneficial. I thought that was the best thing that I took away from that conversation uh, this morning. Yeah, and I, I'm totally with you. I think uh, there's a lot to be hopeful about with the team. So I will I will leave it with the hope in February. We can be hopeful in February and then maybe in March we'll start getting a little more and more critical of what's transpired because we have nothing to really judge him on as of now an introduction introduction is nice but you know it's not really showing us the full picture of what his plans are for the team so a little patience would be nice for everybody at this moment so that's all we have for today i thank you mike for coming on to the show listeners please go check out his articles on the coaching staff and so much more and be sure to subscribe to the eagles brawl podcast for future episodes and fly eagles fly What's going on, everybody? It's Connor Miles, co-host of the Eagles Brawl here. I just want to give a quick shout-out to one of our sponsors. That's Manscaped. Go ahead. The holidays are here. It's time to get your loved ones trimmed, and nicely trimmed, that is, by going to manscaped.com and using promo code BRAWL. That's B-R-A-W-L to get 20% off your order plus free shipping. You know it. He knows it. He needs to trim up. Go to manscaped.com. Get 20% off your order and free shipping when using promo code BRAWL. B-R-A-W-L. Support your favorite Eagles podcast, Eagles Brawl, when purchasing an item off of manscaped.com and also take care of that person you love. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.